Verse 1 of chapter 21 reads like this. The king of Arad, the Canaanite, who dwelt in the south, heard that Israel was coming on the road to Athiram. Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. So Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord listened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. So the name of that place was Hormah, which means literally utter destruction. So here we go, chapter 21. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us there's a time for everything under heaven, right? A time to be born, a time to die. And there's a time of peace, and there's a time of war. And there's a time when you walk away from a potential conflict, which we saw last chapter as well with the Edomites, where the descendants of Esau refused to let the Israelites go through that part of the Sinai Peninsula to the Promised Land, and they have to go a long way around. We'll get to that in just a moment. And you just walk away from things because the Lord leads you to walk away from things. But some things you cannot walk away from. And let's be honest, in 2020, we face a lot of things. We can't just walk away. Now, there are things that you and I have needed to walk away from in 2020. There are situations, conversations. We've had to let people get the last word in and let it go, right? Because if you have to get the last word in in 2020, you just want to make sure it's the Lord's word and not yours. I think all of us in this room have probably seen some type of conflict with people arguing over masks in public or yelling at one another or trying to be the mask police or the social distancing police. And if you got to get the last word in for something like that, that's you don't need to do that, for or against. That's not, you know, we read of Jesus that a bruised reed he won't break, a smoking flax he won't quench, and he doesn't scream in the city. That's just people being people. So there have been things in 2020 we've had to walk away from. If you have any social media and you follow friends and you see what people say against them, you know how many times I've wanted to comment this year on things people said against Pastor Raul Reese, Skip Heisig, and others? I can't tell you how many times I was right there, and the Lord's like, that's not, that's not yours. You go around, eat them. That's not yours. I'll let you know when you've got a Canaanite king in front of you. I'll let you know when you've come to that battle. But that's not your battle. Well, Lord, can I stand with him? Sure. Pray at 2 in the morning for Raul and Skip. But you don't need to put your comment on their deal, all right? That's their deal. You got your deal. So we have to know when to walk away from things, and it's not our battle, like the previous chapter with Edom. But then as we're walking toward what God has for us in 2020, we have had battles. There's battles we have to fight. There's things that we have had to do, and they're what's entrusted for us to do in our obedience to the Lord. 2020 has not been an easy year. It's been anything but easy. And there has been conflicts in 2020. And maybe we've had to fight to keep our businesses open. Maybe we've had to fight to help people have common sense. Maybe we've had to fight to have people use critical thinking. I don't know what your battles have been. Maybe we've had to fight to just keep our sanity. Like I tell people, like, Victor Marks texted me a private message on Instagram. He said, what do you feel when you dance? Not angry. That's what I feel when I dance. So keep dancing. I mean, I'm not a rager dancer, you know, like 80s style. That could be angry dancing. But when you're shuffling and popping and hopping, there's, there's no, you know, it's, I'm happy. It's a safe space, right? It's been a challenging year. And we have faced conflicts. And I've said this before about this year. God said through Jeremiah the prophet, if you've grown weary with the foot soldiers, what are you going to do when the horsemen come? And 
I am optimistic about the future, but I'm realistic about the future. And maybe this whole year, for those who have pressed into the Lord and gotten stronger, we've been strengthened by foot soldiers because the horsemen are coming. Because some people just like walked away from the battle and gone home from the Lord, just walked away from the Lord or quit trying to live. We know suicide's way up this year across the planet. I'm sure alcoholism and drug abuse is way, way up because you can just inebriate yourself and block it out for the moment and pretend all these stores aren't closed, all these businesses aren't boarded up, and all this stuff isn't happening, but it is happening. It's still happening. In fact, it's probably happening now more than any time prior this year with this latest wave of COVID. So I would just say this as we think about this conflict that they ran into right here. This is just the beginning of what they're going to face. This is the preseason on the east side of the Jordan before they march in with Joshua across the, Jer- the, Jericho, the Jordan River into Jericho within two years. This is foot soldier stuff for them. But I will say this, Arad is a Canaanite. And God has condemned all the Canaanites. Now, if God condemns someone, that's his business. If we condemn someone, that's not our business, right? That's God's business. And in this covenant, in a shadow of things to come, God said to Abraham 400 years before, when I bring your descendants out of a land of bondage and slavery, I'm going to bring them back to this land I'm giving to you and your descendants for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And the Amorites is an all-encompassing title for all the Canaanite tribes including this guy here, Arad. And Arad attacked them. So this is the, this is the first time facing this opponent. This, this isn't Edom. Edom is Edom. God gave Edom to the descendants of Esau, but he gave the promised land, Canaan, to the Israelites. So this is your future opponent that you're facing right now. This is just one of these people that you're going to have to, you have to eradicate because a unique generation was, these people are under the wrath of God. And that's all there is to it. And so this first conflict is a telling conflict. And it's an important one. Now, there are still people over 20 that were over 20 that are not going to enter the promised land, right? The original group that tested the Lord 10 times. And they've, there might still be some people that are now in their 60s or 70s, or 80s, and they're going to die in the next two years. They're not going to the promised land in fulfillment of what God said after the failure when they refused to go in 38 years, 36 years before this. But that future generation, living on the promises, believing the promises that God was going to give them the land, this is their first encounter of battle with the Canaanites. And Israel did something very smart here. It says that Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, if you will deliver this people into our hands, then we, I will utterly destroy their cities. It is always all or nothing with the Lord. And we see in verse 3, the Lord listened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites. So we see here what David would say 500 years later to Goliath. The battle is the Lord's. Everything around us going on right now in 2020, the battle is the Lord's. We just got to get the mind of the Lord to understand it in our personal life and whatever ministries and things are entrusted to us. Trying to keep your restaurant open, trying to keep your salon open. If you serve the Lord, the battle is the Lord's. And we, and we got to let God fight those battles, but we got to be willing to fight for what he's shown us to do in any given situation we're called to do as best we can discern. They gave it to the Lord. And they said, God, 
we, this is the beginning of all their battles. When you think of the, the book of Joshua and all those battles, this is the beginning. This is a Canaanite conflict. These are not Amalekites in the south or Moabites or Ammonites from the east. These are Canaanites. God has condemned Canaanites and they have to wipe out the Canaanites. In their first conflict with Canaanites, they were attacked and they passed the test because they gave the battle to the Lord. They said, God, if you will do this, we'll utterly do what you've told us to do. And God heard that, answered that, and brought about the deliverance. He came through for them in their battle. And of course, in a New Testament sense, we know that our, we don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual forces, demonic realm, and our own flesh within us, our own pride and all these things. And we would say the application always with the Canaanites for us is, if we don't kill what's going to kill us, then it will kill us. And our pride will destroy us. Our flesh will destroy us. And we, we have to crucify our flesh like Jesus said. And we have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God like Jesus said, because God resists the proud. There are things, sin, temptations, attitudes, dispositions of unbelief, that will absolutely destroy us if we do not destroy them. But I have found that which is most necessary to destroy in my life is what I see in the mirror. Me. The pride, the flesh, the selfishness. Galatians 5 says the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. And one is going to reign. And we need to make sure as we're turning the corner on 2020, turn into 2021, that the spirit has to reign in our life. And it has, we have to let the Holy Spirit utterly destroy our flesh, our pride, our selfishness. Because if we don't, there's no shortage of reasons to raise up your flesh, your pride, my pride, our selfishness in our world right now. And to raise our voice. And we just can't do that right now. We have to decrease and let the spirit increase. So we have to commit in a vow to the Lord to utterly destroy through submitting to Christ and the Holy Spirit, that which would destroy us if we don't destroy it. None of us want to implode in our pride, in our flesh, in our bitterness, our resentfulness in 2021, do we? If you're here on Tuesday night, I just can't imagine that would be your goal in 2021 is to implode on yourself with resentment, bitterness, anger, hostility, wrath. Because we're told the wrath of man produces not the righteousness of God. So we definitely don't want to go there. So I commend those of you that made it through this year without having to make those comments. And if you had made those comments, maybe you're called to make some. Maybe you're called not to make others. We're all just trying to figure it out. But finish strong and just know there's certain things that God wants to utterly destroy in our life. But it's not the person outside the doors. It's the, it's the son of Adam and daughter and Eve in the mirror. That which is opposed to the will of God in our life. And even as they had an endless war with the Canaanites... Wouldn't we agree we have an endless war with our pride in our flesh? Right to the end. I can just see myself at 90 being selfish and prideful. Can you? I mean, really, left unchecked, like, you're just going to be a... If you're left unchecked with your selfishness and your pride, you're just a bigger version of it at 90 or 95, right? Man, we got we to gotta let God do the work, do the work, do the work, do the work in us so he can do the work through us. Now, they move on. We pick it up in verse 4. So they had a total victory, utter destruction. That first encounter with the Canaanites was extremely successful. Then they journeyed from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and Moses. 
Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food and no water. Our souls loathe this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he takes away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, then he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Man, this is a terrifying story. I hate snakes, to quote Indiana Jones. I hate snakes. I do. When I was eight years old, one of the clearest memories of my childhood, I grabbed a water moccasin by the tail coming down the creek there in Quantico, Virginia. That guy was coming right down the creek. And when you're an eight-year-old boy and you got not a care in the world, coming back from the Potomac River, watching people fish, looking for box turtles, you see a snake coming down the creek, man, you, crawdad, you go for it. I grabbed that guy, and he came around. Bam, he got me. Like, you never grab a snake by the tail. Did you know that? <laughs> so a little practical life experience advice, don't. Well, I came home, and my mom was there, and I was crying. I had, you know, I'd been bitten severely, and she said, what happened? I said, Mom, I was walking down the path, and a snake jumped out of the tree, and it bit my hand. <laughs> Such a call. Yeah. I used to go to the priest and confess. I had to do that stuff, you know, like. No shortage of stuff to do. Such a liar. Uh, they took me to the base doctor, and I said the same thing. You jumped out of the tree, and they all was like, oh, don't all water, smo- water moccasins jump out of a tree and bite someone on the hand? I've never grabbed a snake since, and I don't like snakes. I don't like them at all. You know, you're, you always usually, you know, somebody that likes snakes, and they'll be like, or like Huntington Beach Pier, someone have a snake. Like, hey, you want to pet my snake? Like, no. Just go way around him, right? So can you imagine being chastened by the Lord where he sends snakes? We were camping in 2000 at a youth camp way up on the Eureka River. I think it was way on the border by Oregon. And we had a tent and it was a youth camp and it was a whitewater rafting thing. So I had the whole family and we're in this tent. And I always remember Leah. Leah was like in third grade or whatever at this time. Fourth, maybe fourth grade is 2000. So yeah, third grade. And we went to go eat campfire food and everything there and she goes dad dad I just know there's going to be a snake in our tent I go Lee there's not going to be a snake in our tent we got back we walk in the tent there was a snake in our tent I hate snakes these 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 snakes were sent by the Lord this isn't quail that you choke on and rots between your teeth these are snakes that bite you and kill you now, why did God send the snakes? Now, there's just two things we see here. First of all, there's unbelief. The, this is that over 20 crowd, and maybe some that were younger that just chose the way of unbelief as well. They murmured against the Lord and Moses. No, notice no more murmuring against Aaron. You can't murmur against people that are dead in the same way. Aaron's gone. Because last chapter, they complained against Moses and Aaron. But now it's too soon to complain against Eliezer, maybe. So they're just complaining against Moses and the Lord. And you blame the person you can see. You have to see God by faith, but the person that represents God, you see him right before you in time, space, and matter, you can blame them, which is why people always blame the pastor and the pastor's wife, right? Because you can see them. They're tangible. So they're blaming Moses because they're blaming God. They're unbelief. They're in unbelief. They just had victory, and they're in unbelief. But what was kind of the foundation of their unbelief that preceded the snakes? 
they were discouraged. That really gets my attention because it's easy to get discouraged, especially if one thing after another seems to line up against you that would discourage you. I think the entire planet is discouraged and weary right now. Personally, you know, in, in my awareness of world news and different cultures and societies, I know being in touch with Pasha over in Russia just a week ago, just he's so exasperated. They're just frustrated. Everyone's frustrated. If you own restaurants in Long Beach, that's what you're dealing with. If you're a law enforcement official in San Diego, that's what you're dealing with. It's just been exasperating. It's been discouraging. I mean, people that kept their churches closed for nine months have opened up those churches because they just realized we're never going to make it. We're like the salon and the restaurant. If we don't open up, there'll be no church in 2021. So they open up, and then people who hate Jesus are attacking them and trolling them on their Instagrams, so they got to pull them down. It's just been really hard for all of us, particularly the body of Christ, in its own way. Because somehow people love to blame Christians. So seeing all those trolls before they got deleted today, attacking people like Skip Heisig, such a good man who worked so hard to be compliant, and see what evil things people are saying against him. Man, we need to be careful how we judge. For in the measure we judge, we will be judged. And be careful if you raise your hand against the Lord's anointed like Skip Isaac. I don't care who you're trolling for. You're going to get punked at some point and be held accountable. I just thought, I went back to write something encouraging for Skip today. By the time I got back to it, they had to take all the comments down. There was no means to comment. I was just going to say, I love you and thank you, which I've been saying to Raul all year. He just keeps the trolls up. He just, he just lets them be accountable. Like He's just like, hey, they, hey, you know, God will straighten it out, and you're going to stand before the Lord and give an account. You know, like Raw Reese. He just, like, like, I can't believe like Raw doesn't like, clear these things from his Instagram account. These comments are so gnarly and so evil. I'm like, he's just like, Vietnam vet, people that hate him, people love him. He's just unfazed down the stretch. Man, it's a discouraging time. But the answer for discouragement comes from the, like, the life of David, where at his lowest point, when the Philistine army would not let him go to war, and he came back to Ziglag, and the Amalekites had taken his wives, all the people, all the resources, and took them captive to go to the south. And David was so distraught, he cried, and he broke down. And his men, his mighty men, those great mighty men, they picked up stones to stone him. They were distraught and despair beyond measure. And what do we read that David did? And you can answer out loud, what did David do? He pressed into the Lord. He pressed into the Lord. It says he strengthened himself in the Lord. When the Edomites say you can't come through here, we need to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. When people attack us for being Christians and doing the best we can, we need to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. When they close our salon, we need to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, whatever we choose to do, to quit the business or stay open. I saw all these businesses with signs saying we're going out of business, and I had people tell me, oh, those signs are always there, and they never go out of business. Well, I can tell you right now, they went out of business. Because there's nothing there anymore. And you think, well, I'm glad it's not my business, but it could be our business in 2021. And it's people in our community. And we cannot let COVID-19 
far-reaching, intrusive governments stop us from trusting in the Lord and keeping our eyes on Him. We must strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And we must do whatever God tells us to do, and we need to ask Him what to do. Because when David strengthened himself in the Lord, what did he do? He said, Lord, do I go after them? He didn't just go after the Amalekites. He asked the Lord, do I go after the Amalekites? And the Lord said, yes, go after them, and you will retrieve everything. This is a time not to be discouraged, but to strengthen ourselves in the Lord and to seek the Lord and inquire of the Lord, what's the next step? That's who we need to be. We cannot make the mistake of the Israelites murmuring, complaining against God and his leaders. That's a bad look on the day of the Lord. Jesus said we'll give an account for every idle word we speak. So all these politicians attacking Christians and Christian leaders, all these people trolling people like Franklin Graham and Samaritan's Purse, they will give an account for every idle word that they raise against these people. Jesus says so. And they'll give an account for the thoughts and intents of their hearts as well, as will we, but in a different way. Because being saved through faith in Jesus, we're in the Lamb's Book of Life. So ours is more like giving an account within the family to our Heavenly Father, Abba. Theirs is a given account as an outsider being cast out of the kingdom. So God sent the serpents. It was discouragement. And, there, and you know, when you're discouraged, what happens is your soul, if you're not comforted in the Lord and we don't cast those things upon the Lord and we're not strengthened in the Lord, then we'll loathe the things of the Lord. And they loathe the manna. Isn't this scary right here? It says their souls loathe the manna. You know, the manna was for their souls. Because the bread from heaven, though practical, was really to teach them to be spiritual. Because Jesus himself said, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, but I am the bread of life that comes down from heaven. See, the manna spoke of Jesus and the fulfillment our souls would have in Jesus, in the relationship with him. And they load, their souls loathe the manna. So in a very clear, indicative way, their souls loathe Jesus Christ, the bread of life. And if you're an Israelite and your soul loathes the Messiah of Israel, then there's nothing for you but vipers. There's nothing for you but chastening from the Lord. Because we exist for the Lord, the people of covenant. And we read that there was only one solution and it was the bronze serpent, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This story you could easily determine relates to Jesus Christ because you had to look at the serpent, and if you looked at it, you would be healed. So as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent, it's a faith element. So God says, all right, look, you're not going to earn your way through this. You're not going to have a special doctor in tent number 12 in the tribe of Naphtali to be healed from the viper's bite. There's only one way, and there's only one way you can be healed from the terminal death sentence of being bit by these vipers. You must look at the serpent that's lifted up. You must look at it. And if you're willing to look at it, and you believe you'll be healed, you will be healed. It's a total typology of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which we could conclude without a New Testament interpretation of it but isn't it wonderful that jesus interprets this passage for us for there in that famous chapter john chapter 3 
after Jesus talked to Nicodemus about being born again and born anew, he says, even as the son of man, as a serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so too the son of man must be lifted up. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through his son. Jesus Christ takes this story of this bronze serpent being lifted up by Moses and says, that's me being lifted up on the cross. And even as you look at the serpent and believe you will be saved, you will be saved. Well, when you lift up, look at Jesus on the cross and you believe you'll be saved, you will be saved. Because God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him so even as we do look at the servant and believe God's promise that we'd be healed, like it says of Abraham, Abraham believed God and was accounting for righteousness. Even so, as we look upon that serpent, we could be healed. And it, the people said, we have sinned, right? So the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. It's Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23 put together. So the people confess we've sinned, and God says, okay, that's the beginning when we confess our sin. So now look unto the serpent which is a type of Jesus Christ on the cross. Isn't it glorious? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as it says in Colossians, these things are a shadow of things to come, but the fullness is Christ. And again, Jesus interprets this passage for us, so it's the bonus on it. This is the gospel. We're reminded, moving toward Christmas in the last two weeks of this year, that this But why the serpent? I mean, of course, Satan appeared as a serpent in the Garden of Eden. And God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all, Isaiah said. And the New Testament is the previous verse I just shared from Paul the Apostle. That serpent being lifted up is our sin on Jesus. It is ugly. And we have to look unto him who died in our place. And believe that he died in our place. And we are saved. And as Jesus said in the same chapter 3 to Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say you must be born again. For until we look upon Jesus and believe, we are of the flesh. And in the flesh, in Adam, all sin and die. We're like bitten by the vipers with no cure. But when we can confess our sins and look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and believe that he died in our place, we will be saved. Our souls will be saved. This is the gospel in Numbers chapter 21. We read on. Verse 10. Now the children of Israel moved on and camped in Oboth, and they journeyed from Oboth and camped in Eyes Abiram in the wilderness, which is east of Moab. So they're, going, they're coming up on the east side there of the Sinai Peninsula toward the sunrise. And from there they moved and camped in the valley of Zered. And from there they moved and camped on the other side of the Arnon, which is in the wilderness that extends from the border of the Amorites. For the Arnon is the border of Moab between Moab and the Amorites. This is modern Jordan. Therefore it is said in the book of wars of the Lord, Wahab in Sufa, the brooks of the Arnon and the slopes of the brooks that reach that reaches to the dwelling of Ar and lies on the border of Moab. And from there they went to Beer, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, gather the people together and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, spring up a well, all of you sing to it, the well the leaders sank, dug by the nation's nobles, by the lawgivers with their staffs. 
And from the wilderness, they went to Matanan, from Matanan to Nahalil, from Nahalil to Bamoth, from Bamoth in the valley, which is in the country of Moab, to the top of Pisgah, which looks down on the wastelands. In this segment of scripture, 10 through 20, verses 10 through 20, they have nine moves. They move nine times. And again, this is like two plus million people moving, a giant tent city moving with these tents. Remember when we broke down the Levites, how they, the Kohathites, the Marites, the Gershonites, how they all had their role. The first three tribes from the east roll out this way, then the three tribes from the south. I mean, it's a massive parade every time they move. Nine times they moved in this stretch right here. God has them moving. He's strengthening them, right? He's stretching them like when you work your muscles and you're, you're stretching out muscles and you're pushing the weights on the weights. He's stretching them. Hey, move, 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 move. Book of Wars, spring up a well. Move, 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 move. He's teaching them about war and spring up a well. It's, just, it's an interesting cluster of verses, but did you notice those are the two things that stand out? The book of war, which we know nothing about. It's not canonical or inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it existed. They wrote a book of war when? When they were at war. There's lots of books of war. I study a lot of books on war. War and peace, right? <laughs> it's one of the most famous books on war there is. Lots of books on war. But it talks about the book of wars of the Lord, and then it says, the well of water the Lord gave them, and they sang a song. David wrote a lot of psalms that were connected to his battles and his wars, right? Sometimes out of conflict, the expressions come forth of the human experience through, through war that we can express ourselves because we realize it's beyond us and we need the Lord to intervene. What are you saying, Pastor Joy? I'm saying that in these same 10 verses, we've got a book of war and we've got a well springing up water and they're singing a song about it. It just goes to show when you're just stripped down to such raw elements of humanity, the clarity of the Lord so often becomes more clear what he's providing for us and what he's doing for us. And if 2020 is a book of war, may we be able to sing a song, Spring Up, O Well, within my soul and all that we've been through this year as we get ready for whatever's coming next. Now we read on verse 21. Then... Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, saying, Let me pass through your land. We will not turn aside into the fields or vineyards. We will not drink water from the wells. We will go by the king's highway until we pass through your territory. But Sihon would not allow Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered all of his people together and went out against Israel in the wilderness. And he came to Jahaz and fought against Israel. Then Israel defeated him with the edge of the sword. And they took possession of his land from Arnon to the Jabbok. Those are rivers. As far as the people of Ammon. For the border of the people of Ammon was fortified. So Israel took all the cities, and Israel dwelt in all the cities of the Amorites, in Heshbon and all of its villages. For Heshbon was the city of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab and had taken all of his land from his hand as far as the Arnon. Therefore, those who speak in Proverbs say this. So this is a saying that was being said at that time about this king you know, Sihon in his victory over the former king of Moab. Come to Heshbon, let it be built. Let the city of Sihon be repaired. For fire went out from Heshbon, a flame from the city of Sihon. It consumed Ar of Moab, the lords of the heights of Arnon. Woe to you, Moab, you've perished, O people of Chemosh. 
He has given his sons as fugitives and his daughters into captivity to Sihon, king of the Amorites. But we have shot at them. Heshbon has perished as far as Debon. Then we laid waste as far as Nophah, which reaches to Medeba. Thus Israel dwelt in the land of the Amorites. Then Moses sent to spy out Jazer, and they took its villages and drove out the Amorites who were there. So this is the battle campaign against King Sihon. These guys were bad dudes. They're serious kings. They're, these guys meant business. They came out to wage war against Israel. They were not going to let them pass. There's only two ways to get to Israel, the land of Canaan, when you're coming from Egypt. You're going to go this way, the coastal route, and God said, we're not going that way, or you're going to go this way. And if you're going the direction God's told you, and you have conflict, then you know the battle is the Lord's. We cannot live without conflict representing Jesus Christ. There's going to be conflict for our witness. There's going to be conflict for everything that's experienced with Jesus Christ on a personal level, on a family level, and a community level. There's conflict for the gospel. And if God says you're going this way and people get in your way and say, no, you're not, then the battle is the Lord's. And whether it's politicians, judges, bosses, whatever, what can you do except fight the good fight? That's what Paul meant when he said at the end of his life, I fought the good fight. Paul had all kinds of people that tried to stop him. He had politicians trying to stop him, magistrates who represented Rome. He had, he had people who used the law against him in Philippi. They beat him unjustly. Remember that? That was against Roman law. You know, it's funny how people in power like the law when it works for them. And if it doesn't work for them, they just make up their own law. Oh, wait. Isn't that the 2020 way to do law? Make up your own laws. If you don't like the laws, they don't work for you. But there's nothing new under the sun. If God says, go around, eat them. Okay. And this is the way you're supposed to go. And these people come out and fight you. Then the battle is the Lord's. And what can you do? And whatever the outcome is, we have to trust in the Lord and stand in the Lord and let him fight it and let him resolve it. But Sihon is an interesting guy because we just read previously that Israel sang a song about spring up, oh well. They're singing about the Lord providing for him. What's Sihon singing about? I whooped you. That's his proverb. Sihon's like a rapper. Yeah, he's thug life. Sihon's thug life. Look at his rap. Yeah, Hespon. Like, the, the proverb is like, I whooped you and I took what was yours. Doesn't that sound like a lot of thug life stuff? I whooped you because I'm bigger and better than you, and I took what's yours. I came in your kitchen, I took your food. That's what he's saying. Well, you know what? People that write songs like that and write proverbs like that, they get, eventually, it, it, it all comes around. You never know when the Israelites are going to come up from the south and they're just going to roll you because you're in the way of what God wants to do. Humanity is so prideful and so arrogant. We just got to make sure that we're a broken humanity before the Lord and that we are not. I am not. You are not. We have to be able to laugh at ourselves, be self-effacing, encourage others, stand for what's right, and let the Lord fight our battles. And who knows what battles we already fought for us this year that we're not even aware of, and some we are, but what battles we're going to need him to fight in the future. Because the church is going to always exist. We're always the church, and we're always going to exist. And Jesus is Lord of his church. He's the head of the church. He's the permanent one in the entire universe. And while all things exist for Jesus Christ, the crown jewel of what exists for Jesus Christ in his universe is you and me tonight in this place 
as the church of Jesus Christ. We are his bride, and Jesus loves his bride. So we're going to exist. We're going to pray. We're going to study the apostles' doctrine. We're going to break bread, and we're going to fellowship. That's what we're going to do. That's what the church does. And if the society and community appreciates that, good for them. If they think it's a bad witness, well, that's on them. If Nero wants to blame the Christians for burning Rome when he burned Rome, that's on him. If they want to blame COVID outbreaks on Christians, that's what they're going to do. And you can't abuse those people because that's what they're going to do anyways. They're just looking for an excuse to attack the church. COVID gives them a good one. Did you and I make COVID? Did we make it in a factory somewhere or a warehouse or a laboratory in China? Did you and I make COVID? No. Could we get blamed for COVID outbreak? Yes. It's nothing new under the sun. But we need to be like Paul, and I keep quoting this from Ephesians, excuse me, Acts 20, when he addressed the Ephesian others. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to me that I can complete the race and the ministry which is entrusted to me by the Lord. We've got to keep pressing on. We've got to keep being the church. Whether we're Joey Brand in Fountain Valley and you and I together, or whether we're Skip Isaac in Albuquerque and the talk of the town, evidently. We've got to keep being the church. Because someday this is all done, and we will be in glory. And again, we saw last week, you can't strike the rock twice. We cannot strike the rock twice. We got we to keep speaking to the rock. <laughs> you know, like, no matter what, we cannot let the wheels come off. We got to keep speaking to the rock and let God be magnified. But the church holds the higher moral ground for its right to exist, to gather to preach the gospel, to study the word of God, to pray, to break bread, and stir up love and good works, and that will never change. You've heard me say for over 10 years, I've ever been in trouble with the government, I want to be because of being the church. And I say the same right now, this night. I don't know where this is going, nor do you. The Lord does. We'll strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Verse 33, we finish the chapter. And they turned and went up by way to Bashan. So Og, king of Bashan, went out against them, he and all of his people, to battle at Edri. And then the Lord said to Moses, Do not fear him. I've delivered him into your hand with all of his people in his land. And you shall do to him as you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon. So they defeated him, his sons, and all of his people, until there were no survivors left, and they took possession of his land. It's a bad thing to fight against the Lord if you're Sihon or Og. And it's a bad thing to fight against his people. Now, obviously... Covenant context, we know this is the Mosaic Covenant in that timeline. But we know there's nothing new under the sun. We just have to serve the Lord and let the Lord fight our battles. We've got to keep moving toward the promised land, wherever he's taken us and whatever he has for us. And when giants come out to declare war on us, we've got to keep being the church. And we've got to stay flexible, whatever that looks like. We've got to keep being the church. We know we're the church, and we know God has a plan for us, and he's not done until he's done. Now, what he's doing with the rest of society, we want to be part of the healing and part of the, the blessing. But we can't please everybody. We must please God. Like Peter and John said in the book of Acts, well, you figure out what you think you got going, but we must obey the Lord. And that's what it's come down to on the back end of 2020. And who knows what it's going to look like on the front end of 2021. We must obey the Lord. 
God is with us. He's for his people. We're not against anybody. We're for the Lord, and we're for the lost, and we're for the church. But that does bring people against us. So we need to press in, love, forgive, and keep moving toward what he's called us to do.